You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Good morning. How are y'all? Y'all is good? That's what I'm talking about. Can you give it up for our worship team and tell them thank you? Wow. And then can you also give it up for yourself? Good job. Come on. Come on. Celebrate yourself a little bit. Come on. A little louder. Come on. Celebrate yourself. Come on. Shout yourself down a little bit. Come on. Give yourself a loud, loud shout. Ready? One, two, three. That's what I'm talking about. It feels good to do that every now and then. You know what I mean? You just got to wake up in the morning to start yelling at yourself. Just wake up and just start screaming things. For whatever reason, in that moment, I was reminded of cool runnings. Don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to repeat what he said into the mirror. It was that guy that wanted to always ask people if they wanted to kiss his lucky egg. Sanka, you dead man. Sorry. This is going. I'm just kidding. Got it right where we want it. Hey, I'm just very honored to be here with you. My name is Cody Sykes. I'm the campus pastor of Renew Life Church Midland. Are you thankful for your church? Yeah, I'm very thankful for my church, thankful for my church body and, and our incredible leaders and uh, just really honored that you would join us today. I, I, I'm just, uh, I, I'm, always, I'm always impressed with people that are interested in going after God. And uh, so you're doing a great job. Today I, uh, I wanna share a word today that um, was kind of birthed this week. I got to spend the week in California. Uh, no, they didn't change me. I'm okay, I came back Texan. We're good. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, y'all ain't ready yet. We've met so many people that are like, we want to move to Texas. And I'm like, which way do you vote? <laughs> I'm probably getting myself in hot water, but it's okay. I'm kidding. Let them come, Lord. Just change their hearts. Um, anyway, so now I, I was in California at a pastor's conference in Sacramento, and, and it was just incredible. It was, it was, a, it was a, a room full of pastors, a room full of leaders, and just kind of going after God, expecting God to show up, and just really doing our best to, to come together and just get direction as pastors for how do you lead in this sort of state that we're in right now? How do you lead in the climate of our, of our country? How do you lead in the midst of all of the turmoil and all the struggle and the tug of, and the, the tug of war of this and that? But as we were there, they had these breakout sessions, and there was one breakout session in particular where we took one, we were given one set of, of scriptures in the Bible and just kind of asked to look at it from a couple of different perspectives and asked to look at it from a couple of different, couple of different ways. And, and this one particular scripture, set of scriptures that we were given, it just caught my eye and, and the Lord began to speak some things to me. And, and so today I want to speak, uh, I want to speak about hope. I want to speak about hope and, and what it's like to live in the midst when you're dealing with hopelessness. And so we're going to go into Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, it'll be up on the screen if you didn't bring your Bible. Hey, I'd encourage you to bring your Bible to church. Get familiar where scripture is. Be able to flip through it. If you need to use the, the, the concordance in the front or the, the table of context in the front, I mean, like, no shame. Like, don't hide the fact that you're at the front page looking for where Luke is. It's totally fine. Be where you are. I constantly am like, I didn't even know that guy was in this Bible. But he's in there. So anyway, Luke chapter, 13, Luke chapter 24, we're going to start in verse 13. 
I'm reading out of the NIV version. It says this. This is a super famous uh, set of scriptures, but it says, now the same day, now that, before I go any further, this day, that same day, this day is Resurrection Sunday. This is the day that Jesus was raised from the dead. It says, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were walking, I'm sorry, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in, the, in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all of the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things then and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all of the scripture concerning himself. As they approached the village to where they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over, so he went and he stayed with them. Verse 30, when he was at the table with him, he took bread and he gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were our hearts not burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. In other words, did what just happened really happen? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 of those and, and those with him assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus re was recognized by them when he broke the bread. If you're taking notes today, the title of the message is, but we were hoping. But we were hoping. Will you pray with me for a moment? Father, I thank you. I thank you for the next few moments that we have together. Thank you for your word. Yeah, I pray that as we open your word and as we dive into scripture that you would reveal yourself to us. I thank you that we, we get to have this opportunity where we, we walk into your presence one way and we leave your presence in a new way. I'm asking for a touch from you, Holy Spirit. I ask that you would come and you would make your dwelling amongst us, that you would come and you would do the things that you said that you would do. You would remind us of the things that Jesus has spoken. You would teach us all things. I ask that 
that we would just have a moment with you, Father. I thank you that one moment and one word from you can change the course of our lives forever. And so I'm, I'm asking you to shake anything that needs to be shaken, and I'm asking you to reestablish anything that needs to be reestablished. We thank you that you're the God of restoration, and I thank you that you're the God of all hope. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I want to ask the men really quick. You ever, you ever been put in a situation by your wife or your girlfriend where you were asked to do something that was not manly? <laughs> I'll ask it one more time. You ever been in a situation they're like, well, I got to look around first because if she's standing ne- or sitting next to me, my answer is I'm not answering. My wife once put me in a situation where she talked to me into going to get a pedicure with her. And so, I'm not answering any of those questions, not responding to any of those things. She paints this picture of what this pedicure is fixing to be like, and she tells me about the one to get and how to get it and what to ask for and all these things, and she's describing what it feels like on your feet, and all of the, and she paints this glorious, beautiful picture, and so I'm like, I'll go. She says, okay, here's what you need to do. You just need to get whatever I get. Okay, I'm trusting you, babe. So I get what she gets, and we get some sort of like jelly petty or something. And everything is going fine. Up to this one point, everything is exactly the way that she painted the picture. I hope that it would be what she said, and so far she has not told me any lies. And then everything changed. She gets done with, my lady gets done with my pedicure part, and, and uh, she begins to, to clean the, the, the items up and she puts my feet in the massage thing and everything's fine. And then she starts bringing me chairs. Uh, I'm sorry, bringing me pillows. And uh, Stacy's lady next to me says, if you take your shirt off, it feels so much better. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm okay because we're in a nail salon and you leave your shirt on in a nail salon. <laughs> That's what you do. You take your socks off, but you leave your shirt on, right? And so I'm like, what is about to happen and what did you bring me to for real? And so my ladies, they're talking. I'm not hearing what they're saying. I don't understand what they're saying. They're talking, they're having these conversations. Anyways, my, my lady stacks two pillows and she tells me to take my hat off as if so that I could like lay my head on the pillow so that she could use the electric massage thing. To, and as I take my hat off, this woman was an assassin. She was a ninja. She literally pulls my shirt off of me. And this is when everything changed and it was not what I hoped for. All of a sudden, it's all of these ladies and one other dude and me without a shirt on in a nail salon. This is not the way that it was supposed to go. Mind you, I'm sitting in the first chair by the front door. So my head is in the pillow and all I can hear is the doorbell dinging for people walking in. And the first person that they see is this joker with his shirt off at a nail salon. This should not happen. See, this is not what I hoped for because I was given a picture of what was supposed to happen, but my picture was destroyed in a moment of getting my shirt ripped off by an assassin. And my wife, she did not help the situation in any way, shape, or form. She laughed and snickered. And the worst part about all this is I had to then pull my head out of the pillow, look around, and put my shirt back on. We get in these moments where we get a picture painted, and I think this is how hope is created sometimes. Someone gives us an expectation, 
And so because they said something or they, they created this expectation, we all, all of a sudden have this hope that that is what is supposed to happen, right? And that's fair. I think then also sometimes hope is built from these moments where we're in a situation or maybe we've been under a set of circumstances for so long that we're actually needing things to change. And so sometimes it's painted or it's given by people that paint a picture. Sometimes hope is just something that we, we start shifting into because we need things to change. And hope is literally the expectation of something good. It is, I've heard it said this way, it's a confident expectation that something good is about to happen. We've all been in these situations where we needed hope. And that's exactly where we find these two gentlemen as they're walking to the road to Emmaus. They had hoped that Jesus was going to be the person that redeemed Israel, God's people, in the manner that was different than what they actually experienced. They hoped that Jesus was going to be this one that redeemed Israel, redeemed God's people with his mighty hand and overthrow the oppressive Roman forces by, by just the brute hand of strength. Jesus, his, his weak, seemingly weak, quote unquote, uh, passive, lay down, keep quiet, in the middle of being questioned, in the middle of being accused, on his way to the cross, that wasn't what they were hoping for. They were hoping that in one moment, Jesus is gonna be like Peter, he's gonna start wielding swords and cutting ears off and cutting noses off and just doing all these things. They did not expect for their savior, their redeemer, to be the one that once an ear was cut off, he's the one that actually puts it back on. Someone who is in opposition of him. Everything has been distorted as it pertains to what they hoped was gonna happen. They were hoping that Jesus was gonna be this, you know what they were hoping? They were hoping for William Wallace. They were hoping for Braveheart. They were hoping for Jesus to be this man who's literally has got his men on horses and he's speaking to an army of people and he's literally pacing back and forth on his horse and he's rallying the troops and he's getting to this place. He's like, they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Like this is what they're hoping Jesus is like. And they don't get that. They get on Resurrection Sunday, well, it's said that he's alive, he's just not, he's just not seen. And so they, we find them on this road to Emmaus. Since they didn't get what they were after, since they only heard but didn't see. See, sometimes we get so caught up in, I need to see evidence. I need to see with my eyes and until I see with my eyes, then I'll engage my faith. That is not faith. If you need to be shown before you step, if you need to be shown before you stay, if you need to be shown before you believe, you're actually not walking in faith at all. You're actually needing to become God. There's a peace that surpasses your ability to understand that God offers. It was one of those moments where it's like, don't tell me, show me, and since you can't show me, we're going this direction. We're headed back home. The first thing that I wanna share out of this passage within this hopeless situation is that Jesus is prepared to walk with you as long as it takes for you to begin to recognize him and for him to reveal himself to you. Jesus is prepared to walk with you as long as it takes for you to recognize who he is 
and what he wants to be in your life. He's prepared. We go through these moments of not knowing that if Jesus is with us, and then we go through these other moments where we know that Jesus is with us. You ever been in those seasons of life where it seemed like all of the stars are aligning? It's like you pray and you feel like you get an answer. You ask for a sign and you feel like you get a sign. It's in a song, it's in a, it's in a, a picture, it's in a driving down the road. You, you literally need God to show up for you in your finances and all of a sudden there's mail money in the, in, in the mail and it's like, how did this even happen? Like there are these moments where we can see like what Steve-O was talking about, we can see these moments, we can remember these moments when God was literally making a way when it seemed like there was absolutely no possible way. But then we go into these other seasons of life where it's like, Jesus vanished. I don't even know if he was even a thing or even a person ever because he seems like he is extremely far away from me. I feel like I am on a journey all alone in the dark with no headlamp and there's no stars out. Pitch black. I don't know if I'm walking in circles. I don't know if I'm walking a straight line. I don't know if I'm walking the opposite direction. I don't know if I'm about to fall into a pit, but I might. Like, we get into these moments where we can see the hand of God, and then we don't even know where he is. And these moments, they create this ebb and flow of having hope and having disbelief. Having hope and having disbelief. These moments are, are super, super challenging and this is where these guys find themselves. Jesus, like I said, is prepared to walk with you as far as he needs to walk. Jesus begins to walk with these men on this seven-mile journey. And he shows up, and, and they don't even recognize who he is until he is invited into a place with them privately, and he's revealed when he breaks bread to them. And I think it's interesting that they don't get to see who Jesus is because I think that if in the moment Jesus would have instantly appeared to them, there wouldn't have been this time of walking with Jesus and growing in more understanding of who Jesus was and inviting him and, and, and urging him to come into us, this place where a table was prepared so that then he could reveal himself. Sometimes we just want that quick it's that, that prayer that we used to throw up when we didn't study for a test and we jumped up and touched the, the, the door frame before we went in, like, Jesus, help me. Y'all ever pray those? That was my prayer life in high school. Like we want those kinds of instant gratification instantly. And I think God sometimes is like, I'm going to give you better than what you're asking me for. It's gonna just take you walking a ways before you actually get to see it. Jesus walks with these men for seven miles. And then in verse 28, he says this. It says this. They drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone farther. I love this about Jesus. See, Jesus is not just willing to walk with you a distance. He is prepared to walk farther than what was even intended or what you thought was going to be needed. He was willing to walk further than seven miles. He indicated that he was willing to go farther. In other words, I will go and I will walk as long as you need me to walk until finally you'll get to this place where you'll call me in to the quiet place so that I can show you who I am. I'll walk with you and I'll walk with you and I'll walk with you. I'm prepared to go farther and deeper than you, than you could possibly even imagine. And we think, well, if, if on this seven mile journey, if on this journey, so to speak, I'm not getting better 
I'm not seeing a difference, my stride's not getting better, my body's not feeling better, then maybe I'll just quit. Or even worse, Jesus isn't even walking with me anymore because he got tired of my pace. He got tired of my, my rabbit trails. If you're walking circles, Jesus is walking circles with you. If you're going from here to there and you take a hard right, Jesus is going with you. Jesus is prepared to walk with you until the moment you get to this place where you send him an invitation. I love this about Jesus. The moment, the moment that he receives invitation, he answers the call. It says that they, they walk until they get to the village where they're going. Jesus indicates, I'm gonna walk, I, I, I would walk farther with you. And they urge him, they compel him to stay with them. They're like, listen, it's already evening, it's already getting late, stay with us in this place. The moment that they urge him to come, he reveals himself to them. There's something so special about inviting and making room for Jesus in hopeless situations. See, oftentimes in hopeless situations, we think because all hope is lost, everything else is lost too. And so basically what we end up doing is, you ever notice how like you get in certain moods and the type of TV you watch changes or the music you start listening to changes? It suits my mood. All of a sudden, Keith Urban starts ringing louder and louder and louder in your ears and like, why do I always go to Keith Urban when I'm sad? This is the worst thing ever. Take your cat and leave my sweater kind of thing. Like, what is happening right now? We get into these places where our emotions, they, they come and they, they uproot us because hope was deferred or hope seemed to have been misplaced. But these guys, they find this moment where they invite Jesus in and as soon as they invite Jesus in, into this private place, there's this table prepared, and he, he comes and he actually serves them. In other words, I'm gonna reveal to you again that I came not to be served, but to serve. I came to reveal to you. See, his whole intention on this journey was to reveal himself. It wasn't about the direction that they were walking, even though they were walking the wrong direction. See, because the promise of God was that the Holy Spirit was gonna come. Remember in John chapter 14, he told the disciples, he said, it's for your benefit that I leave, for if I leave, then I'll send the Holy Spirit, the helper, the counselor, the spirit of truth. He'll come and he'll remind you of the things that Jesus said and, he'll teach, and then he'll teach you all the things. This was a promise from Jesus. In Luke chapter 24, verse, 40, verse 49, he says, stay in Jerusalem until the promise has come until you're endowed with power from on high. They're, they're walking away from Jerusalem where the promise was. You need to understand that Jesus will walk with you even if you're walking the wrong direction. Even if it looks like you're walking away from the promise because what he knows is that the moment that I can reveal myself to them, like these guys, they instantly turn around and they walk back to Jerusalem. It's like, this is a long ways for all of this. You walk seven miles that way, only to invite him in the house for a short dinner. He breaks bread, he reveals himself, and now you're leaving and you're walking. They must have been in great shape. They must have just had legs to burn, calories to burn. 
His intention is, I'm going to walk with you so that eventually when you invite me, I can show you who I am so that once you know who I am, you'll actually step in to going in the direction of the promise that I have for you. See, every single person in this room, he's got a promise for you. It doesn't matter if you're walking the wrong direction. The moment that you know Jesus, the moment that Jesus becomes your savior, the moment that Jesus becomes your redeemer, the moment that he takes you into this place of freedom, he says, now now that you're free, walk in the direction of my promise, let me show you. Jesus, he's waiting, he's waiting for your intention and your, your invitation. And an invitation to Jesus is not, is not something that you should rush by. I want you to pay attention to what happens in, in the setting. In Matthew chapter six, it talks about how when you pray, when you fast, when you do a charitable deed, he talks about doing those unto the Father who is in the secret place. And the Father who sees in the secret rewards you openly. There's something that happens when you create a place. Men, we remember what we did when we were creating a place, we were creating an environment, when we were doing our best to win over the woman that we wanted to marry. We remember the links that we would go to to make sure that everything was right. We would be cleaning our truck like we've never cleaned our truck since. (laughs) We would be paying attention to things that we never paid attention to. Why? Because we were doing our best to create a space where there was this thing where I, I got all of her and she got all of me because I had something that I wanted. When you invite Jesus, I'm telling you to prepare a place for him. I'm telling you to set the lights if you need to set the lights. There was a season of my life where I, I I needed desperately to find God in the secret place. I needed desperately to find God in the intimate place. And so I literally, I had the same routine every single time that I, that I would invite Jesus, so to speak. My lights were always set at the same setting. This lamp was on, this lamp was off. This, there was one worship set I played over and over and over. I, I was just trying to be intentional. And I, I love the fact that Jesus reveals himself to these men in a private setting. See, I think in hopeless situations, we rush past these kinds of things. See, when, when my hope is deferred or when, when my hope is set on something and it doesn't come to pass, what I go into is I go into scramble mode. I go into I'm gonna make something happen mode. Anybody ever been there before? You go into this place where you're, you're, you're stirring yourself up. You're gonna, you're gonna work harder, work faster. You're gonna do all of these things because you hope that that something was gonna happen and it didn't. So now I'm going to step in and I'm gonna take the reins. It was, it was fine, Lord. I'm gonna start cutting off the ears myself. You didn't do it. You were quiet. You let them chain you up. I'm gonna step in and I'm gonna be this person. And in the middle of that hustle, in the middle of that rush, in the middle of, of everything unraveling, we forget what it's like when we just invite him into the quiet place. I talked a few weeks ago about what happened when Moses was on the mountain, when, on Mount Sinai, when he, was with G, when he was with the Father, and he says, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us. And I talked about what happened in this moment when, when Moses was encountering God. Basically, what Moses was having happen is Moses was coming out anointed by God, meaning that God was rubbing himself and smearing himself into Moses so that Moses walked out of that place 
in power. When I invite Jesus into my quiet place, when I prepare a space for him and I invite him into that place, I'm saying, Jesus, I long to be with you. And the moment that that invitation is sent, he says, let me just show you who I am. So that once I show you who I am, I can send you on the way back to where the promise is. He's got a plan for you. Say, he's got a plan for me. And it's a good one. He has an invitation uh, to you. And, and the moment that you extend one to him, you walk in the beauty of his plan for your life. I want to close with something that I started with in Luke chapter 24, verse 27. It's actually verse 21. They said this, but we had hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. See, just because of what you hoped for doesn't work out the way that you thought it was going to work, it doesn't mean that all is lost. Just because of the way that you thought it was gonna go didn't pan out for you doesn't mean that you lost a bunch of time or everything is in the drain or everything is in the toilet. When you're connected to Jesus, there is always hope. When you're connected to Jesus, there is always hope. He is the God that turns what the enemy meant for harm into your good. He is the God that knows the things that you need before, he asks, before you ask of him. He is the God that has thoughts towards you that are so numerous that they're more than the sand on the beach. This is what scripture says about his thoughts towards you. He is the God that saw it fit to bring you this far, and I promise that if he's brought you this far, he didn't plan on leaving you here. He is the God of all hope. He is the God that watches over his word in your life to perform it. He is the God whose word doesn't return to him void until it performs the thing in your life that he sent it to perform. He is a God of hope. He is the God of all hope. When you're connected to Jesus, there is always hope. In all caps, there is always hope. I want to speak what I heard in a song over you, and I want you to let this just kind of be your war cry. Be, let this be your William Wallace cry. It says this, hold on, don't grow tired, don't give up, he is better. Hold on, don't grow tired and don't give up because he, he is better. Hold on. If you're in the middle of a situation where hope is, hold on. If it looks bad, don't give up. If it looks like you might not win, don't grow tired. Why? Because the one that you serve, he's better. He has something extravagant for you. He's waiting for an invitation, and he's telling you, I'm willing to walk as long as you need me to walk with you. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.